Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What's up, Magic fans? It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. Every day of basketball playoffs, DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. The best part is free to get your shot at all these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free-to-play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during the days of the basketball games and track your results through the evening. Some of the questions will range from which teams will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your own convenience. All you got to do is download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings pool page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. The promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Live from Orlando, Florida, you're now listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Orlando Magic fans. Join us every week for a unique fan perspective on all of the latest Magic news and updates. The show starts now. Welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings and part of the Basketball Podcast Network. We're your hosts, Al, myself, Anthony, and today is May 27th, and we're just a couple days after the start of the NBA playoffs. We're kind of midway through um, the the first round, and um, today, in today's episode, we're going to talk a lot about um, kind of our future prospects, some exciting stuff happening in the future, um, kind of revisiting some basketball um, from the past. And then um, joining us to do that is Philip Rosmanreich, the site expert for Orlando Magic Daily and host of Lockdown Magic. What's up, Philip? Hey, how's it going, guys? Great to great to be on the show. Good. Really excited for you to be joining us. If you haven't listened to Philip before in the past, Philip, you do a really good job at really breaking down, analyzing the Orlando Magic, and you're you're really on the uh, the front line. So really going to almost every single game, covering the Magic um, live in person. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, if if I have some scars like that, that's that's why it's been it's been since I at least started covering the team, it's been it's been pretty rough. But uh, 
um, you know, it's, it's, it's what we got to do and it's, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's a labor of love. So, you know, I'm uh, like you guys, I'm sure you're, you're all very excited about the future. I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what happens next and very excited about what's coming down the pike. Yeah. Philip, how long has it been since you've been covering the magic? Exactly. Uh, I mean, if, if, if we want to go all the way back, the whole reason I started writing was because of the magic, but, um, I've been writing for Orlando magic daily since the 2010 season when I was in college. Uh, and I've started covering games during the 2011 season, I believe. So it's been been roughly a decade of of going to Magic games and, and being at least part of the press corps, in addition to to being an observer and writer. Yeah, and since then, there's been a lot of um, a lot of rough times. How how do you find yourself seeing motivated through this whole last decade? I mean, I, no, no lie. Like some of those, those days, especially late in the season are really tough. Um, I, I think there are some dark days in like the 2017 or 2016 season where I was just like, I I'm literally just writing the same thing I wrote the, the, the previous day. And, you know, like I'm like, I'm someone that cares like a lot about games. Like if you go to Orlando magic daily during the season, you'll see that I am like dedicating two whole posts to games. And, you know, yeah. I, I, I feel, I know, I know those don't get the, a ton of traffic, but uh, like I still feel like the games are are super important and you have to acknowledge them in some way. And so it's it, it it gets repetitive, especially late in the season when you know kind of that 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 you know spark dims out the, of the playoffs. But you know I've I've always kind of viewed myself as an optimist. I know sometimes I I, I kind of douse some water on on some things or, or sometimes play devil's advocate. But I, I always view myself as an optimist, and you know I I, I believe uh, for lack of a better better term. And so. Um, you know, this is, this is my hometown team. You know, this is, this is really all, all I've known. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the trenches trying to figure out how to make this team as, as good as we can, as far as, as much as you can outside of this, outside of the franchise and organization. Yeah. And we know it's been challenging, right? So from 2010 till now, you saw the glory days, right? You had Dwight years a little bit towards the end of that run. A little bit. Like I, I I was, I was, I was there for the the Dwight Mare season. Like I I was, I was actually in school and in school, during the Dwight Mare season. And I remember I was coming home from, from school. I was up at, I was up at UF, um, at Florida. Uh, and I was coming home from school for the weekend for, for, for Passover, uh, for, for family get, get together. And I was like driving home the night of, or the day of the magic Knicks game. So I wasn't there at shoot around. Of course, what happened at shoot around was the Stan Van Gundy press conference. Mm. And so I get, I get home and I've got all these texts from, from other, from, from writers, from other, other uh, uh, sites and other teams. And they're like, what just happened? And I'm like, I have no clue. I've been driving for the last hour and a half. I have, I have no clue what happened. And then I pop online and see, see what happened. I'm like, Oh, Oh, so, so that's, that's the storm I'm walking into. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it's kind of, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of stuff like stuff like that. So it's, you know, it's, it's, you just, you got to kind of laugh some of it off sometimes, obviously. Like I remember uh, the, the, when the Rob Hennigan whiteboard incident happened, I was actually mm. getting, it was the night after, uh, WrestleMania when it was in Orlando. Um, so I was going to raw that night and I saw that, co- I saw that coming down. I'm just like, this is, this is just going to be bad. I'm going to just turn my phone off and, and do the heck out of Roman Reigns <laughs> for the next, for the next 30 minutes. So I'm, I'm not even going to think about it. Man, so, I, it's, it's probably by far one of the most awkward press conferences that we've or, or interviews that we've ever seen because I, I see every once in a while, the clips kind of just resurfaces until this day. I still, I still cringe. It's just, it was, it was, a, it was masterful of how awkward it was. 
Yes, it was. I mean, and 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 the and the worst part is like, I mean, I don't know if I'm spilling any beans here. Like, it, it the like what what actually what Stan actually said was not really a secret. Like, no one was saying it on the record. No one was saying it in a way that that you could report it. But everybody knew that that happened, and so it was just like I I get what Stan. I, I think Stan underestimated what dropping that bombshell would do. Like, I think he was like, let's just get it out in the open. Let's like let I let's let's like kind of just not worry about it. And then Dwight of course makes it worse. And just, it's, and, and honestly hurting that more was that it was a Knicks, the Knicks were in town. So there's a lot of media right. in town anyway. Mm-hmm. And the game was on TNT. So it was just like the national media, like, like Stan Van Gundy could not have picked, like, unless he was intentionally trying to like drop a bomb on the franchise, could not have picked a worse time to do it. So, you know, you, these stories to me, like, and I tell this to people all the time, like, the NBA is not about who wins the champion. Like the NBA is the most predictable sport of any of the major sports that we have. It's about the journey getting there. So like mm-hmm. these stories, stories like these is what makes the NBA season enjoyable uh, as, as much grief as it gives everyone. So I, I got to ask you then. So, so through all those years, the good, the bad that came in this run, any memorable moments that you can recall that you're like, man, like I cannot forget that one moment. Um, so anything that comes to mind. Um, I, the the night that Tobias Harris hit the dunk against the Thunder, like a yeah, like a like that game was just bonkers to begin with, and and to finish it like that, like we 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 know what the Magic are at that point. Like the season was pretty much over. It was just a bunch of young guys, and that way that play developed uh, with with Oladipo with the Durant missing the shot, Oladipo getting out in transition, giving it to Harkless, who just wanted nothing to do with the ball, and then finding it to giving it to Harris. Um, a, the finish was crazy, but like a lot of, you know, what, what happens for the media is we were up in the media loge on the, on the sec on the second level, we have an elevator dedicated to us for the last two minutes of the game. So like if the game's a close game, we're all nervous because a, you know, I don't have to file a story immediately after, but we're all nervous because we got to write what we got, what we're going to write before the press conference and we got to get downstairs. But once that buzzer sounds, that media elevator is open to everyone. So literally that dunk happens. Me, Zach Oliver from Orlando Pinstripe Post, and I think Adam, Adam Papa Giorgio or, or, or someone else from one of the other blogs, literally just minute the dunk goes down, close our computers, pick everything up and run to the elevator so we can get downstairs to make sure that we're there in time for the press, con- for the press conference. And we're just, you know, we're just screaming like, oh my God, oh my God. Uh, like, like at the top of our lungs, so, you know, like, I, like I, don't, I don't think I hide this, like, I, I'm a reporter. I'm a blogger, but you know, I'm still a fan at the end of the day. Like, uh, like yeah. I try to put the fan hat away um, when I'm covering a team and talking about the team. But at the end of the day, like I want the team to do well. So that was mm-hmm. just an just an incredible moment and an all time like magic finish. Um, and you know, like it's just it, it's just incredible that they won that game. Yeah, and I I remember I remember that game. It when Mo Harkless passed the ball mm-hmm. over to, to Tobias, it was that like split second in between that you're kind of like, why did you pass the ball? You're way too close to the basket to pass the ball, and the fact that it ended that way was definitely uh was definitely memorable. Now let let me ask you now, just because before we jump into the Magic basketball, and it was kind of out um reported recently, um. With Stan Van Gundy, there was reports now that, you know, the the team right now, they're not, you know, too happy with Stan Van Gundy. And being the type of personality that he had with us here in Orlando and and seeing how it's kind of transpiring with New Orleans, is that surprising to you at all? Um a, a little bit, but not completely. Um, you know, I think I think Stan like Stan is an incredible coach. Like he's he's forgotten more about basketball than than any of us are gonna know in our lifetimes. And like he, I, I think that his style can be very grating. 
Um, you know, certainly kind of the yelling, the, 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 the pressure, the intensity that he brings, um, it, it can get to teams and especially young teams. Um, you know, right. I, I, I tell people this all the time about Steve Clifford and Steve Clifford teaches a lot of the same principles that Sam Van Gundy does, but he's not kind of the screamer and yeller. Like he seems like a gruff dude, but like, he's, he's a lot more encouraging. He'll take, you know, he'll, 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 he'll take a, take a guy by the side and kind of talk to him and, and communicate real well. Um, Stan is a yeller and, and, and you're not, you're never going to change that about him. And, you know, I, I, I think about it this way, like Steve Clifford, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, but Steve Clifford is a really good coach at building a foundation. Um, what we don't know is whether he can take a team from the first round to the second round. I, I, I'm a big believer that like players, coaches have roles in the process too. And Stan Van Gundy, you know, we showed in Detroit with another young team. He wasn't really good at getting them to learn how to win. Um, he's really good with teams like Miami and Orlando who already had kind of a base established and already kind of understood the basics of winning. He's really good at taking those teams to the next level. Now, obviously the next level for Stan is like, can he win a championship? Um, that was always the big question. And honestly, like what he did, the job he did in Orlando, I think shows that he could, um, but, but obviously the roster never matched with match with him. And I think he got out coached a little bit in that Oh nine finals, but that's a, that's a debate for another day. Um, but I, I think Stan, Stan's message doesn't get to young players who just, who don't know how to win yet. They, they don't understand how hard it is. And so it's almost like he's speaking a different language. Like he's telling Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram how to win at a 301 level when they're still on 201. And, and, and obviously right. like if you're, if you've ever been in a class, if you don't know the the stuff that comes before it, you're going to be completely lost when you get to the higher level stuff. So, um, you know, the messaging could probably be a little bit clearer. Again, I'm not saying that stands a, a, a poor, a bad coach. Like I, 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 I think to some extent, maybe this generation has passed him by. Like we kind of saw with Scott Skiles, who's a very similar kind of gruff coach, um, very demanding coach. This generation just, it, it doesn't respond to yelling in the same way that, you know, maybe the previous generation did. Like, you know, when we think about coaches, we think about taskmasters. That's not how coaching is. That's not how these kids have been coached. And so, you know, you don't know how they'll respond to that kind of confrontation. And, and I think that kind of culture change is something that a lot of coaches in this league are dealing with. And, and we're seeing some of them kind of phase out. And honestly, unfortunately, Stan may be one of them. Yeah, and it's 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 surprising because um, even now, uh, me personally, as a fan, I still respect Stan Van Gundy a lot, and I thought that that was projected pretty well across the league. Um, so, kind of hearing JJ Redick when he first um, signed with the the Pelicans and found out that Stan Van Gundy was going to be his coach, you know, he kind of made some smart remarks, kind of you know, being really candor and, and also, you gotta be careful with JJ. Cause he can be very dry with his humor. Like that. I, yeah. I, I took that as just, he's joking. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I took it as he was joking as well, but there was a lot of truth to it. Like yeah. you, you can tell that he found it funny, you know, as a familiar coach, but at the same time, he was not looking forward to kind of just reliving <laughs> um, that time with Stan Van Gundy. So that, that was definitely interesting to see. Now, Let's let's get into talking magic basketball, current magic basketball. So this past week, um, we had some tie breaking that needed to get done. We were tied um eight, nine, and ten with um it was uh who was it? It was was it New Minnesota? Orleans, Sacramento, Chicago. New Orleans, yes. So magic ended up, you know, kind of coming out of it. Chicago Bulls ended up getting that eighth best lottery odds. What does that mean exactly? Is that do we see that as good news? I, I've seen a lot of people kind of saying that. Um, you know, it's, it's a little too close, a little too risky. Um, how do you see that kind of playing out? So, um, you know, I, I owe everyone this post and I owe everyone this on my podcast. Um, but it's really important to remember how the lottery actually works. Um, 
the lottery is, you know, like we all play tankathon. I, I know on our agenda, we're going to play tankathon here in a little bit, but um, it's not just you hit a button and they spit out the results. Um, the, the lottery is what, how they do the lottery is they have uh, the numbers one through 14 in a drum. They draw four numbers out. So, you know, what, what you're playing for is a certain number of combinations. So the magic as, you know, one of the worst three teams in the league, they have 140 number combinations. So when you have these tiebreakers, you're doing two things. The first thing you're doing is you're determining the order of these teams if they're outside the lottery. So if, or if they don't win the lottery. So if the Bulls lose the lottery, they get eighth over Sacramento and, or they beat, they beat Sacramento and New Orleans if, if they also miss the lottery. So in that sense, good win for the Magic because pick the difference between picking eighth and picking 10th is, is pretty big. So, you know, if, if the, if the, nothing changes in the lottery, the top four teams remain the top four teams. The magic will get the eighth pick. Um, so that's that's very, very good. The other important thing to remember, and I think this was where some of the miscommunication, some of the confusion was, is when teams are tied in the standings. And I and I joked about this during this during the last parts of the season, how I wanted the five-way mega tie for the third worst record in the league. Um, what happens when teams are tied is they share the lottery odds for their spots. So the Bulls don't the Bulls have the eighth best odds of winning the lottery, but so do Sacramento and so do New Orleans. They, they split they split those odds evenly. Um, sometimes that there is an odd number. So what the tiebreaker also does, so the tiebreaker not only assigns the number combination, so the Bulls get the first set of, I think it's 21 number combinations. Um, I think they have a, what, 2.1% chance of winning the lottery. Um, they get the first set of 21. Sometimes there is an odd number. So the team that wins that tiebreaker gets the odd number. That didn't happen here. There's all three teams get the same number of odds. So Chicago, New Orleans, and Sacramento all have the same odds of winning the lottery. Just Chicago gets the first set of numbers. And if they don't win the lottery, they go first among those three teams. So um, again, like I, I joke with people all the time who, who you know don't have a clear understanding of what the lottery is. It was a very good day for the Magic, unless the Bulls won the lottery because they got those sets of numbers. So we'll we'll see what obviously we'll see what happens, but all you know, all in all, like that's that was a good break for the Magic because there's a four and five. There's a roughly four and five chance that the Magic are going to get that pick, and there's I think a two and almost a two and three chance, or a little bit more than a two and three chance, it's going to be eight or nine. So the Magic look like they'll have a second top ten pick in this draft. Yeah, and I think that that comes that comes in huge. Not only in the chance of hey, we're going to draft a good player at that, at that range, but hey, what if you want to trade that pick at some point, or hey, you want to package it with someone else. It just sounds so much better when you say I have the eighth or ninth pick in my possession than the tenth. For it's just something that just in your mind it, it sounds better. Um, so I think that can also help the magic if that's the route they want to take. Is package that pick for something different than a young player? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's 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 another tool in the tool chest. I mean, I think that's when you, when you're especially when you're kind of starting a rebuild. What you just what you want is just tools in the tool chest. I mean, Orlando's done a very good job. Uh, they don't owe their they don't owe their draft picks to anybody. They own all their picks. Um, that's that's a huge asset for them. They also have the Denver pick now. They also have the two Chicago picks now. Um, they've got that seventeen million dollar trade exception that they can play around with. So uh, and and then they got a lot of young guys. I mean, I, I I don't know what value Mobamba would would still have, but you know like you know like even even a guy like R J Hampton probably has some value around the league now with how he played to end the season. The Matt and Gary Harris should should have a market should have a market. Terrence Ross can have a market. The Magic have some flexibility to do some things if they want to get active in the trade market. Yeah, and then they're saying that this NBA, this draft coming up is is supposed to be a a very elite draft. When we take a look at um, the players in this draft or around the top five, who are you liking? There's a lot of talks on, you know, best player available, best fit. 
there's uh there's debates going left and right between you know Jalen Green, um, uh, Mobley. Uh, who is it that you're you're kind of hoping that you know kind of lands in our favor? I mean, obviously, you want the number one pick. Um, I, I, I think Cade is is far and Cade Cunningham is far and away the best player in this draft class. Um, I think that he. He just, he has a really, I mean, you, you talk a lot, you hear people talk a lot about a feel for the game. He has a really good feel for the game uh, and he has the ability to take over. Um, you know, I, 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 I remember watching, watching his first game at Oklahoma state. I was, I was actually at work and I had the TV on to my left and I looked out the corner of my eye and, and Kate had thrown this one handed pass all the way to the corner off the dribble. And I, I kind of stopped what I was doing and was like, Whoa, like that's, that's, that's not something that a, freshman player in his first college game. And, and, you know, you know how those college games are those first games, they usually play some pretty good competition. Um, that's not a pass that a freshman makes right off the bat like that. Um, he's got great. He's got, he's, he's got the ability to score off the bounce. He, he can get to the basket. He's a smart passer. Uh, like he, like, I, I don't know if he is surefire hall of fame, like runaway superstar player, you know, like, like, I don't, I don't know if he's like kind of, you know, no one, I, he's not LeBron Zion, Anthony Davis level. Good. But he's going to be very, very good in this league for a very, very long time, and, and I think he's far and away the top guy. And you know, the fun, the, the fun thing about this draft is it feels like there's at least four other guys who are have star star potential and, and just very clear star potential. And so again, like you look at the Orlando and the decision they made at the trade deadline, if there was a year to kind of go all in on a draft and, and take that risk that that you'll get a good draft pick, it, it feels like it would be this draft. Um, I, I I still have to watch some more Evan Mobley. Um, but I'm still I'm leaning more towards Jalen Green as my number two guy, um, just because you look around the league, having guys who can score off the dribble and, and work the perimeter is just so important. And, and I just and and this isn't and maybe this is me being a little scared from from Mo and and and, and how much Mo has struggled to 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 adjust to the NBA. It feels like you're better off building around your your wings. And finding centers later in the draft who are just kind of grinders. Like, like you can you look at the teams, like obviously there's Jokic and Embiid, but you know, Davis plays power forward for the most part. So honestly, Vucevic might be the like the third best pure center in the in, in the league. And you know, you, you can find skilled guys like that. I'm not saying that that they're not out there, but especially when you're just kind of starting building your team, it really feels like the way this league is going, you need wings. You gotta have like strong wings if you're gonna have a chance to to win. And, and I think that that's, I think that that's something, obviously the, that's something this magic team is missing. They got some great point guards. They got some good lead guards. They got some great kind of bigger wings, but they need guys who can score on the perimeter. And, and so I, I, I really lean J I really lean toward Jalen green as my number, as my number two guy. I, I think Suggs is a little too much of a point guard. I'm curious how he'll play. And again, I'm not against like, you look at the way the league's going too. I'm not against, having multiple ball handlers on the floor either. I think that's, I think that's a really smart, I think that's a sound strategy to have multiple guys who can attack off the dribble. You just need the shooters to surround them, which obviously the magic don't really have right now. Um, but you, 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 you just need to get talent. Um, and so, especially with that first pick, you don't worry so much necessarily about fit. I mean, you worry about it a little bit. Like, um, I did it. I did a mock draft with, uh, the locked on podcast network, um, where we're going to be doing, I think a mock draft every week. It sounds like, um, until the lottery, uh, and, I got the fifth pick and I got left with Kuminga and I'm like, you know, I, I got to take Kuminga. He's the best player on my, on the board. I, I can't say no to that. You know, the next best guy is Scotty Barnes on, on my board. Um, and, and I just think Kuminga is a better player, but I, I would worry if they took Kuminga, you know, you have Isaac, you have Okiki, you know, where's, where's Kuminga going to get his minutes? Where's he going to develop it? You know, this is a pick that's got to be kind of a foundational piece 
Um, you know, you don't want to kick it down the road to next year. So, you know, you got to worry a little bit about fit, but it can't be all consuming. Um, you know, you got to, you got to, you got to find a way to get the five best players you can on the floor. Uh, and, and so, you know, especially that high in the draft, you, you just take the best guy that you can and, and, and figure it out from there. Yeah. And Al, Al's been pretty high on Jalen Green and just playing devil's advocate. Um, I, I've been open to Mobley for the simple fact that as much as I really like Wendell Carter Jr., um, Mo Bamba is still, in my opinion, a question mark. But Wendell, you know, in, in Chicago injury was always a concern. And if if you're looking at Mobley, if that were the case, if you were to add a player like Mobley, um, what do the Magic do with with Mo Bamba at that point? Because it's it's already a because I, I w- I've always felt with Mo Bamba, it's always been a confidence issue along with everything else. Right. The confidence, um, you know, that that part hasn't been added to, to his game and and his overall health. Um, but if you add a player like Mobley to the roster, how does that impact Mo, Mo Bamba? Yeah, I mean, it, it it definitely pushes him a little bit out, out of the way and pushes him to the side, um, you know, and, and I think, you know, I think, you know, as, as good as Wendell played, and I think he played really well, I think there are real questions about Wendell, too, um, about whether he can be a, a long-term starting center. Um, you know, I, 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 I kind of watched him play, and I'm like, you know, I really like a lot of his game, but can, am I really going to, am I going to be able to build a defense around him as my starting center? And, and I kind of said, you know, he's, to me, he's like, if he could have Derek Favors' career, um, where he's a really solid bench center, come you know can start when you need him to. Um, I, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. But you know the Magic will have a question to ask themselves because he's a restricted free agent at the end of the season. Like, are are how much are you willing to invest in him? And and if the question is, I don't know right now, then you know you can't take Mobley off your board. Um, you know I, I, I think that I mean if, again if Mobley's your, if Mobley's the second or third best guy on your board and you're drafting there and he's available. You got you got to take him. Um, you know, again, just you got to you got to get talent in the building, and and to win in this league, you need elite talent. And if you feel that Mobley is going to be better than Carter, or and and certainly better than than Bamba, you got to take them. Um, you know, I don't think that I don't think that there's any way to get around that. That's that's at the end of the day, talent wins in this league. I mean, you know, I, I've I've been thinking about a lot about this as I've been watching as I watch the playing tournament. And I watch you know teams get eliminated from the playoffs. You know, culture only gets you so far. You got you got to have the talent to go with that culture. And and you know, again, you look at the Magic the last two years under Clifford, they have the culture. You know, they have they have a way that they play. They have a, everyone believes in that way to play. But at the end of the day, they can't beat Kawhi Leonard. You know, they can't beat Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, you know, you got to find those elite guys. You got to be elite at something. And you know, as much as I I, I think Nikola Vucevic was ber- verging on that, but you know, on this roster today. The only guy with an elite talent is Jonathan Isaac, in my opinion. Um, you know, I think he's the only guy that that really feels completely untouchable um, because he can do something, you know, better than pretty much all but maybe three or four players in this league. Like, I think, I think, I think next year will be the last year Jonathan Isaac's not on a def- all defensive team. Um, you know, who else are we saying about about that? You know, being able to win win awards and be on on those kind of all NBA season teams. So the Magic can't be married to anyone. Um, you know, obviously, if I'm Mo. You know, this is this is my first healthy summer. I gotta I gotta be in the gym every day. I gotta be working every day, improving my game, studying to film, be trying to understand. You know, playing even as much as I can, so I can understand how to be where I need to be defensively and working on some of those things defensively that he really struggles with. Because ultimately, what was always going to make his way in the league and what's going to get him playing time with Coach Clifford is that he defends and understands the defensive concepts and defensive schemes. And you're right, confidence was a huge issue. You just never had the time consistently to play. Um, but he's, he's got to put that, he's got to put that time in. And if, you know, honestly, if I'm Mo, 
I'm in the gym all of June. I'm in, I'm in the Amway Center all of June. I'm making sure, you know, Jeff Weltman in his office upstairs, Steve Clifford in his office upstairs, see the gains that I'm making so that they, when they get sit down for their draft meetings, they say, well, we think Mo is getting ready to take this step up. You know, we got to, we got to at least think about it. Yeah, I think that that's the hope for all Magic fans, right? We want to see that Mo take it to the next level because, again, it's going to help us tremendously if he can take that next leap that we all expect him to take. Um, going back to the draft for a second, so I keep saying it, wishful thinking. I keep saying we're going to end up with Cade or we're going to end up with Jalen Green. That's just my mindset, and I'm not going to change. <laughs> the secret, so man. If, yes. So Speaking if that is the case, sessions. that's right. So if that is the case, say we end up with one of those two guys. Now we have the eighth pick. Again, wishful thinking. That stays the same. We have the eighth pick. What would you do in that case with that Bulls pick if you were running the Magic? Do you think the Magic keep it and get another young guy? Or do you think that that's one that will consider possibly packaging Ross, someone else, for a veteran? I mean, it it might depend on who's available um, and, and what the Magic think of the players available. Um, I think one of the reasons the Magic made the trade with Vucevic was because they liked the value of the guys later in the lottery in this draft. Cause I mean, I assumed that the magic when they traded Vucevic to the bulls, they probably believed that pick was going to be like 11, 12, like the bulls would be in the play in tournament and they'd get like one of the tail end picks in the lottery. Um, the fact that this is a top 10 pick now is, is just frankly gravy. Like, like I, I think that was completely unexpected. Um, you know, again, like I said, you can't turn down talent. You need talent in the building. Um, so if there's guys that you like, and, and there, I, I think one of the things about this draft is there's those top five guys. And then, you know, maybe there's a drop-off where you don't have all-star caliber players, but you got a lot of guys that can fill roles on teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of guys that I think you can really like later, like in, in that range where the Magic are going to be picking. So I, I, I don't anticipate that the Magic would look to trade that pick again unless the return is just killer. Unless, you know, they're getting a first back. They're getting a high quality veteran back, you know, someone that makes them believe that, you know, okay, we can make the playoffs now. Like this is, this isn't just, this is a, this is a team that can make the playoffs instead of a team that, you know, is just going to be a young team growing. And, and I think the magic can be, you know, very careful, but the, you know, they, they need to bring veterans in too. I agree with that as well, but it, it, it would depend on the deal and it would depend on the players available. And, and my instinct tells me that, there's players at that level of the draft, you know, guys, you know, like, you know, I don't think Scotty Barnes will fall that far, but you know, you got your Trey Manns, you got your Moses Moody's, you got Keon Johnson, you know, even, even someone like Josh Giddy. Uh, you know, I think I, I'm trying, trying to put him on people's radars, although I think that might be a little high for him. Um, there are a lot of high quality players, uh, or, you know, kind of skilled players that could fit a roster go that could go around that time. So again, this team is so far at the beginning stages, they got to add talent. Um, yes, they need veterans, but they got a coach that that will teach them the right things. And they got, you know, uh, you know, Isaac and Fultz have been around long enough too. Maybe they, you know, maybe they're more veteran than we think, but they, 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 they gotta, they gotta bring talent, get talent in the building. And, and so I, I think that would be tough to, to give away that opportunity unless the deal was like really good. And, and that's a great point, but it also makes me wonder. So we're coming off a season where we had Cole Anthony, Chumo Kiki, RJ Hampton, essentially three rookies this past season. Um, adding the you know hopefully a top five pick hopefully the the bulls pick conveys and then that 33rd pick could you see there being an issue with there just being too many young guys oh for sure um and and i think and i think one of the issues the magic are going to face is that they don't have enough time for all these young guys to play right um you know because clifford's going to play veterans like if if clifford's still the coach gary harris is going to play 
Terrence Ross is going to play. Uh, I would suspect that they'll try and use the mid-level exception to bring in a center, um, bring in another veteran big, um, unless they draft one. Um, they'll 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 probably use that MLE to bring in another veteran and just kind of support the roster. Um, it, it's going to be crowded. I mean, let, let's say the Magic take Cade. You know, Cade is a is a one-two. He's a point guard or a shooting guard. You know, maybe he can play some small forward, but that means your starting lineup is Markel Harris. You know, I Oki, maybe Okiki at the three, Isaac. Uh, you know, maybe, or maybe it's Markel, um, Markel, Cade, Harris, Isaac, and Carter. You're, you're bringing Hampton and Cole off the bench. You know, so someone's getting squeezed out there because Clifford's going to stick to a nine man rotation when, when his team's healthy. So it, you know, Isaac, I think will be in and out of the lineup, but like Okiki already, you know, unless he can shift down to the three is, is going to be coming off the bench. Like there, there, there's already a little bit of a roster crunch with how many young guys there are. Um, you know, again, and again, like you said about Mo, like is, you know, you need a backup center. If, if you're going to go out and get Mobley, or if you're going to go out and sign another one, is Mo even going to have a time on the roster to play again? Like it, 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 I think it is a very real problem. I think that there's a, there's a roster crunch coming. And, and I think the instinct to say, well, maybe the magic can trade that pick or, or, or get some asset for it, I think is an accurate one to to have. And I think is one that the magic have to consider. Um, again, I think you get talent in the building and you figure it out later, but, uh, but you know, I agree completely that, that there is a little bit of a problem. And my big concern for next year is that the team's just going to be too young. Now talking about the young guys that we currently have, right. Two guys, again, were rookies this season, Cole Anthony and Chuma Okiki. A lot was expected of them. A lot was put on their plate. I think than we all anticipated simply because of the injuries and, and everything that took place with the team this season. So we, what we saw from those players, you in particular, what do you, what are your thoughts on Cole Anthony and Chumo Kiki, not only this past season, but going forward with the team? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, I think that they're both competitors. Um, number one, like they both, they both competed really hard all, all year long. Um, and I think that's, that's obviously the first thing you want to see from young players. Um, you know, I, I, I say this about summer league, summer league, you find out who can't play more than who can play. Um, rookie years, I think are, are kind of the same thing. Like you, you just need to see a little bit of what they can do. Um, you know, once, once Cole got confident both on both times, like once he, you know, he's in the starting lineup a lot earlier than I think the magic wanted him to be. And he struggled, but then he found his footing and, and he was playing really well. And then the injury hit, he needed a couple games to find his footing. And then he played really well to end the season. You know, obviously he had a green light to shoot a lot more, but uh, I, I thought that he played really, really well. And you saw his competitiveness and saw his fire and his ability to get to the basket. And as he improves his three point shot, you know, I think he can be a really valuable player. Um, you know, he's still got a lot of work to do. I think his shots, you know, like in college, the shot selection still needs some improvement. But a lot of that again was the magic kind of pushed him into this, had to push him into this role where he was a primary scorer. Okiki is just solid. Um, you know, I was really, I was really impressed with his defensive understanding very, very early on. Um, and as he got more confident with his three point shot, you could see what a weapon that could be. And, you know, I think, I think the thing that Okiki struggled with was defenses started shifting how they defended him, trying to force him to put the ball on the floor a little bit more. And that's where he started to struggle a little bit. Like he, he gained respects of the respective defenses, for that little run that he had when he came back from his injury. So, um, you know, I, I thought both showed that they can play in this league. Um, you know, both obviously have to continue improving and getting better, but they did a lot of really good things and, and they were obvious bright spots for this team. And again, if they were healthy, you know, if, if they had Markel the whole year, if they had even Isaac the whole year, um, you know, I think both would have been really, really good contributors to a team that was fighting for, for the playoffs. Yeah. And you, you, you mentioned a lot and, what I took from that is, you know, having 
putting us in a situation where there we may have too many young guys. Uh, there may be some players that won't be able to be as developed as others. Um, that's a good problem to have because, uh, as you said, uh, we're we're trying to get as much talent in the building and then kind of go from there. But then you brought up another good point where you know we really don't want to get married to anyone specific. Um, with the drafting of Cole Anthony, with the drafting of Chumo Kiki, that you know they they really panned out. This uh, this trade deadline, you know, the front office made a lot of moves and there was a lot of criticism from the fan base that you know the, this front office they're not doing anything they're kind of sitting on their hands whatever the case may be um from from your perspective um you know has your opinion on the front office changed at all no i mean i i, I mean i think that they i think that a they've been empowered to do a lot more than than any previous front office the magic have had um the, mm-hmm. the i think the amount of resources that the devos family has given them is um is a lot more than than we've seen from any fran- from any you know previous management group you know i think you know pat williams is kind of the founder of the team but you know he he didn't really he he kind of built the beginning teams and then seeded over to john gabriel after the 95 run um otis smith i think had a lot of freedom and had a lot of trust um you know i i think that it was his word that that pulled the trigger on the gilbert arenas trade i, I think there was some skepticism in the ownership about that move and 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 otis kind of they trusted otis to do that but the amount of resources that the Magic, you know, again, they built the arena. That's that, that's a huge thing. The amount of resources they've kind of given and the decision-making power they've given Weltman, I think, is is more than any point in Magic history. And, and I think one underrated thing that a lot of Magic fans aren't talking about or thinking about is the new practice facility that's going to that's gonna open up in January. Um, you know, again, when the Amway Center opened, it was a state-of-the-art. It was the everyone was modeling what they built after the Amway center. But now that there's this move back to separate training facilities, just so there can be a little bit more room, you know, the magic are going to be going to have kind of the, the state of the, the best facility in the, in the league. So, you know, I think that was probably something that, you know, I think that was, that may have been something that was talked about before Weltman got here, but I'm sure that Weltman was a big reason why that got done or Weltman saying, Hey, we need to, we need this to, to, to be the team that we want to be uh, and be the organization that we want to be. Um, but you know, I, I, I think, I think obviously there's always an appetite to make trades. Um, and I like how Weltman, he has, he has an idea of what he wants and obviously has an idea of the players that he likes. Um, but he's not kind of, he's not going to be beholden to like a preset plan. Uh, you know, I think with Rob Hennigan, there was a preset plan. Um, they were going to be bad for two years and then they were going to go. Um, and I think that. A, they picked the wrong coach, you know, off the bat. You know, no offense to Jacques Vaughn. Um, that job was just a little too much for him. Um, and 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 you know, the magic kind of you know stuck him out there to 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 take all the arrows. And then when they collected all their talent, they weren't able to move forward. They just didn't have the right voice to kind of push them, push them forward. You know, I, I think Weltman, when he came in, was planning to do the kind of teardown that he did this 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 summer or, or this uh, trade deadline. But you know, he got there, you know, he hired Steve Clifford, who was the right coach. They were playing well. They saw something that, you know, would enable them to get back to the playoffs. And yeah, sure, maybe some business interests took over where, you know, we we have an all-star. We can't trade our all-star. I think the plan when they got here was, you know, this is probably our only year with Vucevic, and then we're gonna move, we're gonna move him. But they didn't like any deals they got. They were happy to kind of stick stick with the path they made, and they made the playoffs. And, and I think to some extent they were victims of their own success, but you know, at that point, you know, the ideas that we had about how to build this team up began to shift. And we were thinking, okay. Now this now X, Y, and Z needs to happen. Now Aaron Gordon has to kind of take that star leap or someone has to take that leap that, so the Magic can be in discussions 
to trade for the next star. Um, you know, I think, you know, it, it, the fact that the Magic were at one point favored to acquire Russell Westbrook, um, you know, when he when the Rockets were looking to deal him, to me, that was exactly the plan. Like, Russell Westbrook was not the right, may not have been the right guy for the Magic. You know, again, we can, I think that's a fair debate, especially with how Westbrook played the season, probably a lot better than we, than I think everyone anticipated. Um, we can certainly debate whether that would have been the right move for how to move forward, but the fact that the Magic were in those conversations to me shows that the plan worked. Now, obviously, things fell apart, and Weltman said, "You know, we've taken this as far as we can. We got it. We got to restart. We got to blow it up." And and I think he had the trust from management to do so. So, you know, obviously, obviously, now the pressure's on Weltman. Um, he's got to get this draft right. I mean, you you put a lot of eggs in this ba- in the basket of this draft, so you need to get at least one player that can define your franchise. Like this, this is the moment. And if, if the magic mess up this draft, it's, it's going to be a long haul and Weltman's job will be in date. Weltman's job will be in a little bit of danger. Um, you know, I think, you know, he obviously didn't make the moves he made at the trade deadline without ownership's approval. Um, like Alex Martins, probably even the DeVos family probably had to say, yeah, like we got, we get this plan. We like this plan. Go for it. Um, you know, you don't, you don't make those moves and the Florida moves you make without ownership signing off. If, if they didn't sign off on it, you're going to be out of a job. <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's, that's, that's the truth. Um, but, um, you know, I think obviously now, I think now we're going to really see Weltman do his work and see if Weltman is as good as, as, as he, as we kind of think he is. Um, I think I honestly, his decision not to make moves was a decision in itself. And I think obviously you make the playoffs two straight years after not making it for six. I, I think they worked out. I think they, they ended up being the right decision. And when he decided there wasn't a way to move forward from building in the middle, you know, he made bold moves to tear it down and I think got pretty good returns on all on all of those players. Yeah, I think looking back, as a Magic fan, you cannot be upset as to what we got from an asset standpoint, not only the young players, but also, again, the flexibility that we now have, um, whether it's draft picks, whether it's cap space. There's just so many things that came by those trades. Um, so like you, I think we, we've discussed this at length in our podcast the last few weeks. Um Thankful is the word that comes to mind of the job they did um, making this happen. This kind of rebuild, but in a way, again, it's just a refresh look for the Orlando Magic altogether. Um, so, Phil, you mentioned earlier, we're going to go ahead here now and play what we called Let's Play the Lottery. And we're going to okay. go ahead and bring Tankathon to the screen here. And the, again, like we've said it last week to our listeners, we're going to put you on the spot of the front office and say, hey, if this were to happen, what will you do? So we have the site here pulled up. Let me go ahead and sim the lottery. And let's see what happens. Philip, you feeling lucky? Uh, apparently not. <laughs> Man, back-to-back weeks. <laughs> so for those not watching on YouTube, uh, the Magic ended up with the fifth pick. And the Magic ended up uh, dropping one and drafting ninth uh, with the Bulls pick. So Which I will if- add that it was better than last week's sim because last week's sim we were at six. So at least we went up a spot. That's right. Hey, like, like I tell everyone, waste all these where the magic lose the lottery. Now, you know, we yeah, like you want you want to see you want to be peaking like it's the playoffs. You want to be peaking at the right moment. So, like today, right. month out yeah. from the lottery, get those get those fives and sixes no, out of the way now. All right. So, in this scenario, Phil, what would you do? So, you you're again in the front office of the magic. You get the fifth pick and the ninth pick. What are you doing? I mean, it, it, it obviously depends on on what teams ahead of you do. If, um, could you could you pull up the the draft draft board again? I I mean, I sure. I, I think you just got to play got to play it out a little bit. Um, Detroit, I mean, Detroit's taking Cade. Cade Cunningham's going one. Houston probably takes, you know, between Houston and San Antonio, Mobley and Green are probably gone. 
Um, Cleveland, Cleveland would probably really hope for, for Mobley. Um, I would think, I would think like if, if this were the scenario, Cleveland would be, would be a team that might take Kuminga and and leave, um, and leave, uh, a Suggs to Orlando. Um, because obviously Cleveland's got guards. They got two young guards and Sexton and and, and Darius Garland, Sexland as they're called. Um, and they, and, and and I'm sure they don't want to load up on guards like that. So this scenario, like fifth to me, to me, the magic picking fifth is like a dooms is like, it's not a doomsday scenario, but it's, it's not ideal. Um, because I, I do think there's a top four. I think that Cade Mobley, Jalen green, Jalen Suggs are just are a clear top four to me. Um, and Kuminga is ahead of the next batch, but is like not so far from, it's closer to the front pack than the trailing pack, but to me is behind those four. Um, but if Cleveland somehow got ahead of Orlando I, 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 and didn't have a chance to draft Mobley, um, and then again, they got Jared Allen, so maybe they wouldn't even draft Mobley. Maybe they would always be on Kuminga, but they, they feel like a team that would prefer Kuminga over, over any of the guards. Um, and so in this scenario, I think the Magic end up with Jalen Suggs at five. Um, and I, I think, I think, uh, that would be the, the rose colored glasses or the blue tinted colored glasses of, of, of this, of this scenario, at least, um, five, if the magic draft five, I I'd be worried. And, and I would think that the magic would at least very seriously talk and consider how can we move up? How can we make sure we are in that top four, even if we have to give up a ton, um, uh, something I've kind of learned about the draft. Uh, and something, a, a draft philosophy that I've kind of taken is a, always take the best player available, worry about fit, you know, work, you know, fit matters, but fit matters and maybe separating guys within tiers, but take the best guy on your board. Um, but B, if there's someone you really like, no matter what it costs, go get them, especially with your team, like the magic. Like if you lose Terrence Ross or Gary Harris, like love, like I like those guys. They're not as important as, as getting, getting the guy that you care about in this draft. You know, I think about what you know, Utah did with Donovan Mitchell. They, Donovan Mitchell was traded from the Nuggets. The Nuggets drafted, I, I believe the Nuggets drafted Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz traded up to get him. That was their guy. They made sure they got him. Um, you know, Kawhi, Kawhi with the Spurs. The Pacers drafted Kawhi Leonard. The Spurs were like, we got to have this guy. They went out and got him. And obviously those guys were taken in like the 14, 15, you know, like in the late lottery. But nonetheless, like I, I think it's a really important strategy that if there's someone that you absolutely love, go get them. Don't don't mess around. Go get them. And, and so I think that's that's something to magic. You know, again, if they end up outside the top five, package five and nine. Who cares? Go go get your guy. Yeah, and I think that a lot of the fan base are really focusing on the top five for obvious reasons. Um, but there's still a lot of really really good players past that five. So who are you selecting with the ninth pick in this scenario? Looking, I mean, obviously it's tough without like mocking it fully out. Um, I think Oklahoma City probably takes Scotty Barnes. Um, he's probably my next guy. Uh, I would hope that Moses Moody drops to Orlando at nine. Um, I, I, I really like Moody. Um, he's he's the guard from Arkansas. Um, he's he's being described as kind of a prototypical three and D, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably his ultimate role in the NBA. He's a he's a good shooter. Um, but he's also got the ability to shoot a little bit off the bounce. Like he played, he was the leading scorer at a very, for a very good Arkansas team. Uh, and I think in the NCAA tournament, what happened, he struggled in the tournament, but I think what happened was a lot of defenses just really focused on stopping him and, and really crowding him. And, and I, I, I don't think he's a guy that can be a number one option, but um, I think that he's a guy who can be a, a, a solid three and D guy. He has good, good size to be defender. 
Um, and, and, and he can be a guy that can take the ball off the dribble a little bit. So he's not just a one-dimensional offensive player. Um, and, and that's, I think, really big for 3-and-D guys. Like He's sort of more like a, 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 you know, like a, a bigger Will Barton maybe. Or like a, you know, like I don't think he's as gifted as a scorer as Jordan Clarkson, but like if you can fit him into those kinds of roles, um, I, I think that would be, I think that obviously that's really beneficial. And I think that, that would be really good. So with that ninth pick, I, I'm really hoping that Moses Moody drops to Orlando. Um, I'd be looking at Corey Kispert, who I think is the best shooter in the draft. Um, you know, I, I think you got to have Trey Mann on your list. Um, uh, Franz Wagner um, is, is kind of a, a traditional small forward. Um, he can shoot it a little bit. He's probably he'll probably be gone by the time the Magic draft at nine two, uh, and so those were the guys I'd be looking at. And you know, like I said, you know, I, I I think that I think that you have to put some some odd guys on the radar. Um, I like Keon Johnson. I think he's a really good scorer. His shooting percentages in college really concern me, though, because um, obviously the Magic needs shooting. Um, so you know, I don't want a guy that that needs the ball in his hands at that ninth pick because the Magic have plenty of guys like that. They need shooters and you guys who can spread the floor. So you need to be able to do something to help your teammates, or you need to be able to shoot the ball really well. Um, so like I, I don't have Keon Johnson off my board by any by any means, but um, I, I I definitely am a little wary of him um, unless his shot dr- drastically improves. Because um, again, the Magic just have a lot of guys who who can score a little bit on their own, but they 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 need shooters around them to be really effective. The one guy that I am trying to put on people's radars, um, I kind of went off board in, in our in our first mock draft run through on Orlando Magic Daily, um, is Josh Giddy. Um, he he led. He's a six eight forward. He led the NBL in Australia in assists this year. Um, so again, you're looking at a six eight forward with playmaking ability. Like you need something unique. You need something that 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 teams have to figure out how to defend and and figure and and kind of takes them out of their normal defense. Um, it, I, I think I've seen Giddy going anywhere from like. 10 to like in the 20s in mock drafts. Um, so retaking him at nine would be a little bit of a reach. But again, like I said, the Magic have shown they're they're willing to take stretches on guys. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Chumo Kiki, as much as Jeff Weltman wants us wants to make us believe that teams behind them were willing were ready to take him, I don't believe that. Um, I think that the Magic, you know, were willing to gamble on Okiki. They knew that he was willing to sit out the year and defer his his contract, which I think was a big reason why they took him too. Um, but Okiki, I think, was their guy, and they were willing to say, you know what? Everyone has him in the twenties. We're taking him at fifteen. You know he's our guy. We're, we're not. We're not deviating from that. So, um, I, I would keep Giddy on your radar. Again, the issue with Giddy is yes, he is not a great jump shooter. He, I think he shot sub thirty percent on threes. But, um, you know, sort of like Lamelo Ball was the guy who led the NBL in assists last year. Um, you know, the NBL is not a joke of a league. It is a very good mm-hmm. league. You know, um, you know, I think outside of Euro League and and maybe Greece or Spain as far as international leagues, the NBL is right there it's, it's a top five top six league in the world so to have an 18 year old who led the league and assists there and and can and can play cl- very clearly play uh you know professional basketball already you know i i think giddy is someone that you have to have on your radar so then with, with that with that being said um because for the most part you know that you can kind of predict you know one through five we we know that it's going to be those players i i can't see anyone else in the draft kind of jumping and taking away any of the the top five um, but w- with you covering the team as long as you have, how much or how important are these um, now workouts that these prospects are going to be doing with the team um, to the front office? Uh, you you mentioned that you know Chumaki he was a player that you know they liked, so they got him. Um, and you kind of you know the 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 execs they'll they'll take these workouts, and then that's kind of how you fall in love and and you select who that guy is for you. Um, do you see that kind of any adjustments with 
you know, what may or could happen with magic depending on the workouts and their interviews? Um, you know, I, I think, well, I think especially this year, the interviews and whatever time one-on-one that, that teams get with players is going to be really, really important. Um, you know, it, a lot of the, you know, like if you've heard Matt Lloyd on, on any podcast that he's done or, or Jeff Waltman talk about the draft this year was really weird for a lot of those, those scouts, those, I mean, usually those scouts, the, the magic's draft scouts are out in the field watching games and, and because of COVID protocols, they weren't allowed to really talk to coaches. They weren't allowed to attend practices. They weren't allowed to kind of get the intelligence information that they might normally get over the course of a season. Um, you know, I think some schools allowed them to kind of watch from the stands, but just see games um, and not, you know, get kind of the on the ground information that they need. Um, you know, I, I joke, I joke about it a lot, but, you know, being a GM of a team is like running a, a mini intelligence agency. You're trying to get, you're trying to figure out what other teams are thinking, but you also have all these scouts on the ground around, around the world that really that are feeding you information on these players. And, you know, like last year's draft class, you know, was fine because they, the most of the college season had already been done by the time everything shut down. So they'd gathered a lot of kind of that on the ground information. And, you know, maybe there were a few things they wanted to find out from watching a workout or from interviewing a player, um, but, you know, again, they were limited on how they could do that. You know, obviously, uh, obviously I think the Magic were able to have uh, a meal with Cole Anthony. I think he was one of the players that they interviewed and, and they were able to watch his workout, workout, um, work, watch him work out. But, you know, they obviously couldn't bring people into their building. Um, the way you think about these draft workouts is, is, is it's, it's the job interview. Um, you know, those, you know, like, and, and, and I always say the workout isn't as important as the sit down with ownership um, or sit down with management. Uh, and, and the ability to kind of talk to the talk to the person as much as as much as figure out who the player is, and so this year is going to be. I, I think this year that that process is going to be more important than ever because most of their scouts don't, you know, and this is across the league, so it's not like the Magic are at some disadvantage, but they haven't had the ability to sit down, talk to the coach, talk to the you know, talk to the the training staff of of each individual school, talk to people around these players in the same way that they normally would. So there's a lot of, there's probably, when you probably look at the player profiles, the, the, the playing part, they probably have down pat. They probably have an understanding of what their games are like from watching the college tape and, and reviewing that college tape. What they don't have down is probably who these people, who these players are as people and how they work. What are their work ethics like? And that's what they really have to find out here from these, these, the draft interview process. And, and that's going to make it more important than ever that, that players really impress and really make it clear who they are as people and what kind of people they're bringing into the organization. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what, what it is that they do and the decisions that they make. I think the most exciting about it all is that it's literally right around the corner. So, you know, we can start the countdown now, keep doing the simulations on a day-to-day basis. And and like you said earlier, just get all the, get all the bad simulations. Get all out the fives now and six out, sixes out now. Like you're like, yeah, I let's mean, go ahead and do that now. All right. So, uh, Philip, we're going to transition into this or that. All right. This is the first time that we do it on the podcast. Pretty simple. We're going to give you two um, options and you're just going to select from the two options and we're going to kind of do it on uh, rapid fire. So the first one, if you can keep one player between Gary Harris or Terrence Ross, who would it be? I think it would be Terrence Ross. Um, and, and, and I think a lot of like something that I'm concerned about with this team is they've lost a lot of institutional knowledge. Um, you know, again, like it's not like, Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier and Aaron Gordon had accomplished a lot, but they know how Steve Clifford works. They have a familiarity with the coach. Uh, and, and I feel like 
something that I'm concerned about is getting back to where the team was beforehand. They, they don't have guys who have been there before that can, that could give little tips and things to, to watch or, or things that the, that the coach is looking for. Um, and so, you know, like I expect them to keep Michael Carter Williams. Like I, I think that he's, he's a really good leader and a really good veteran to have on the team. Um, you know, Terrence Ross, obviously I think he's been a little bit more productive than Gary Harris. He obviously accepts that bench role, which I think is huge. So that'll give another, you know, young player, maybe an opportunity to start or an opportunity to get some more minutes. Um, but more than that, he, he knows what Steve Clifford likes. He's been successful with Steve Clifford. And I think, and, and more, more specifically been successful with Steve Clifford in Orlando. And I think that's really, really important for a young team. That's going to be trying to figure out how to play for this, this, this coach again. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's just a mutual feeling. I think we've discussed this topic a couple of times and, and that always is the answer that we come down to. It's, it's Terrence Strauss, the guy that you want to keep here. And we've said it multiple times on Twitter. It's, you know, lifetime contract for Terrence Ross for so many years now. We want to see that play out. And I think he's a guy who, again, like you mentioned, is willing to come off the bench and, and add something that we need in that shooting um, that, again, we currently don't have. Unless things change in the offseason, He's a he's a player that we want to keep in Orlando. Yeah, and it's hard it's hard to believe that he's our longest tenured Magic player on the roster. He's he's the only player left that Rob Hennigan acquired. That's it. Crazy. All right, next one. Brighter future: Chumau Kiki or Cole Anthony? I think oof, it it depends. It depends what you're looking <laughs> for. I think I think there's a better chance that Chumau Kiki contributes to a winning team. If that makes sense. Like, like, I think, I think you can clearly see a, a space for Chumo Kiki on a championship team. Um, you know, like I, I think like I, before the season started, I thought that he would be on the all rookie team. Um, I thought, I thought he was going to surprise that many people. And, and I was even more pleasantly surprised by how he played this year. Um, Cole's going to get you your points. He's going to score. Um, you know, I, I think there's always going to be a little bit of that score streak in him. And, and I think his defense is always going to leave something, a little something to be desired. Um, but I, I think that, I think that Okiki, um, Okiki's going to find himself on a winning team, and, and I think at some point in his career, probably find himself on a championship team if he keeps uh, keeps you know kind of progressing in the way that he's that he looks like he's progressing. I mean, everyone calls him Baby Kawhi. Uh, I, I don't know about that, but you know, at the very least, like he's a three and D guy. Like I already trust him to be a three and D player for this team. And, and you know, and again, it's not maybe not saying much that he's a great shooter on this Magic team, but. I, I, he's a, he's a good shooter on this magic team. Um, you know, I think, I think you can f- spot him in any role and he's going to accomplish it very, very well. Yeah. As a fan, it's, it's really difficult not to fall in love with your players. Um, and I, I hope that both of them, um, you know, they, they, they're able to contribute to, to a winning team and, and please make sure that it's with us now with other teams. Man, let's make let's make that championship yeah. team here in Orlando. Um, who would you say is would be in Orlando longer? Um, RJ Hampton or Mo Bamba? And the reason why we bring this up is that um there there's been a lot of talks that you know it, we felt as if RJ Hampton may or may not be the odd man out in the event that the Magic did want to move up. So I think it's gonna be RJ Hampton. Um I think that I think that there's a very real chance the Magic move Mo Bamba this offseason. Um, and again, it's, I, I think, I think for Mo, like, I think he needs a new voice in, in his head. Um, I think he, I mean, like, kind of like you look, you look at how Wendell Carter moved to Orlando. Like he had a bad situation. I mean, he had a bad situation in Chicago. They kind of lost some faith in him. Um, his confidence was shot. He moved to Orlando and it completely changed his outlook and completely changed how he played and how he looked. Um, I, I, I think that. 
for better or for worse, fair or unfair, Steve Clifford's opinion on Obama has already been made and it's going to take a lot to change it. Um, and, and so I think that, I think for Mo, he just needs a fresh set of eyes on him. Like if he, if he wants, I mean, and, and maybe this is more too much doing a favor for, for someone. And, you know, again, from everything I understand about Jeff Weltman, he's usually pretty upfront with people and, and pretty straight, straight about people and, and, and caring about the people on the roster as much as, as the player. Um, and so I, I think that for Mo, the best thing for his career would be to move on to another team. Um, and I hate saying that cause I like Mo. I like some of the things that he's done. I think that he's been dealt a really bad hand uh, on numerous fronts um, that kind of pushed that kind of pushed his development to the side when when he really needed the chance to kind of make mistakes and grow up a little bit. Injuries didn't help. The Magic becoming a winning team didn't help either. Um, to be frank, um, I, I think that that I think that he would have been a lot better on a team that you know wasn't playing for anything late in the season where he could again make those mistakes. And we saw that what that looked like at the end of this season where he was able to kind of put up some points and, and, and gain some confidence and look good. Um, but I, I think that, I think that Mo just needs kind of a new, a new ch- a change of scenery. Um, I, I, and, and it would not surprise me if that happens this off season. Next one for you, Phil, who meant more for the franchise, Tracy McGrady or Dwight Howard? Hmm. Fans will probably tell you it's T-Mac. I, I, I think it's Dwight Howard. Um, you know, and, and, and as I'm thinking about the answer to this question, it really just comes down to the fact that when T-Mac was here, the team almost moved. When Dwight was here, they got a new building that assured the <laughs> team would be here for the next 20, for 20 years. Um, you know, we're, we're coming up on what it's been 10, 11 years. So we're coming up on, you know, nine years away from the Amway center lease coming up. Um, people forget how close the magic were to moving when Tracy McGrady was here. Like it, it was, it was really close. Yeah, um, they were they were yeah. saying Kansas City, wasn't it? It was Kansas City and St. Louis. I think were the two team were two cities that were vying for it. Like Rich DeVos had put the team up for sale, uh, and it really felt like the team was gone. That the team was gone. Um, and and like it it got really really close. Um, and again, Tracy McGrady is an all you know Tracy McGrady is a Hall of Famer, all time talent. You know, on the Mount Rushmore for Magic history, a Florida Florida guy. All-time fan favorite. Fans know that the team did him rotten. Um, that John yeah. John Weisrod specifically did him rotten, uh, and everyone knows that his leaving was not his fault. As as much as as much as everyone hated it in the moment, I think everyone's come to understand like that was not his fault. Like he he was dealing with a lot of stuff that that he, a superstar should not have to deal with, and the Magic just did not learn any lessons on dealing with stars from from Shaq. Um, <laughs> but you know, Dwight Howard. I would argue that Dwight Howard was part of, you know, certainly two of the three best teams in Magic history, if not the two best teams in Magic history. Uh, I, I don't think the 09 team is better than 95, but um, he, was, he was he was part of the longest sustained run in Magic history. Um, you look at it, the Magic had had been obviously out of the first round in 95 and 96. The fact that the Magic got out of the first round in, 0, in 08, 09, and 10, um, that's the that's obviously the longest the Magic had been really good. Um uh, you know, the, 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 the playoffs they made and the belief that the magic had that they could win a championship, you know, that's as close for as long a time as, as they've ever gotten to the title. And, and, you know, I think the 2010 team was as close as the magic have, you know, 95 was probably maybe a little bit closer, but the 2010 team, I think is the best team in magic history. And, and I think that Dwight played a huge role on that. And honestly, you know, I, I know that fans are still a little bit sour on Dwight Howard, but you know, the guy, the guy, 
just he set every record in the in the history books for the Magic. Like I, I think that he, I think that you can make an argument he's the best player in franchise history. And, and and I'm hoping that time heals those wounds and that you know when Dwight retires and and he makes the Hall of Fame because he'll be a Hall of Famer because of his time with the Magic. Um, you know I I I, I joked that you know Tracy McGrady is probably the first like player that's in the Hall of Fame because he was on the Magic. You know Dwight Howard will be the first player where it is undisputed he is a Hall of Famer because he was because of his time with the Magic. Um, I hope that. I hope that by the time that happens, fans are ready to forgive him and welcome back home. Yeah, and and just thinking about it, Kansas City Magic doesn't it doesn't have a ring to it. No. St. Louis Magic doesn't have a ring to it either. <laughs> just doesn't doesn't sound right. No, doesn't no, right. and and considering that Orlando is past Miami as far as television market size, staying in Orlando was a good move for the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So this, this last one, Philip, is, isn't necessarily this or that, but it was a conversation that Al and I had um, earlier this morning. So um, around social media, um, there's been a, a lot of posting an image of a logo of an NBA franchise and then asking, you know, what's the one player that comes to mind when you see this logo? Um, when you take a look at the Orlando Magic, if you if you were if you were able to stamp just one face, one face to represent the Orlando Magic um, in its entirety. Who would you select as that one player for the Orlando Magic? Uh, I think it's Shaq. Um, You know, Shaq obviously kind of transcends sports um, and and with the Magic certainly transcended sports. I mean, this, this, I mean, I've talked to to Jeff Turner a little bit about what it was like to be on those 95 Magic teams. And, you know, he said it was like being with the Beatles. Like it was just crazy everywhere they went. People loved Shaq. I mean, this, this was not just a team that was popular in Orlando, this is a team that was popular everywhere. Like Shaq, Shaq made the Magic a national brand. Like, um, you know, I, I don't know if you guys have talked to the Magic UK guys, um, but the, you know, like something that was really fascinating for me since I really started, you know, blogging and writing seriously was that, you know, the Magic have a very passionate fan base in the UK, and a lot of that was because Shaq went to the UK with the Magic in '92. Um, they played, they played the mm-hmm. Hawks his rookie year, and that made. That made so many people in the UK magic fans. Um, that was the only basketball they really saw. That was their introduction to basketball. And, you know, I, I think that still, you know, you talk about those nineties teams, they made a, they made a freaking documentary about the nineties, 95 magic. Um, like that, like there, there are, there are a few yeah. teams that, that you, you could make a whole documentary about. And again, there was a lot of interesting stuff about that team. And, and, and that, that, that movie was really fascinating to watch and kind of reflect back on, on what that team meant. Um, but, that was all because of Shaq. Um, and, and I think I, I think it's it'll always be difficult to get out of that shadow. I mean, honestly, the Magic are still making mistakes because of their experience with Shaq. They're still trying to kind of recapture everything they had with Shaq. You know, this whole idea of getting the number one pick, it's because the only way the Magic have been successful is because they got the number one pick with Shaq. Um, you know, the Dwight Howard, the whole Dwight Howard saga was because they didn't want to repeat the mistakes of Shaq. Um, they're like literally they made every mistake they could because they were too afraid to make the mistake with Shaq, the, the same mistakes they made with Shaq. They were just so they, they knew they had a Hall of Fame center and they were like, we're not going to let this thing go because we know how hard it is to get it back. Um, and, and they made a whole bunch of new mistakes because Dwight Howard is not Shaq, um, to, to say the least. Um, but, you know, Shaq, it, it, you know, someone someone uh, I forget I was on some type of podcast or something and like someone made this, this comment and I, I'm sorry, I'm not citing who, who said it. Someone made this, this comment that, you know, we don't know who the best player in magic history is yet because we haven't drafted them. 
because they haven't delivered the magic of champion championship yet. And I think that that's a really interesting way of thinking of thinking about things for sure. Um, but you know, the only way the magic are going to get out of Shaq's shadow is to win a championship is to, yeah. to have someone that leads this team to a title. And then that player will probably, you know, everyone talks about retiring jerseys and, uh, you know, I, I, I resisted that idea for a long time. Um, you know, I think the magic hall of fame needs to be more prominent. I, I don't think it's, it's done as well as it could be. Um, but I, I used, I used to believe that, you know, we don't need a hall of fame. We don't need a high retired jerseys just because everyone else does it. Doesn't mean you have to do it. You have your own way to, 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 to understand and, and celebrate your history. But now that, you know, Nick Anderson's name has gotten erased from a lot of the record books. I'm, I do think that, yeah, you know, it, it, we need to retire jerseys. We need to make sure that fans who didn't watch these players play understand how important they are to the franchise and, and what they mean to this, this organization. And, um, but you know, Alex Martins, you know, said we have criteria for retiring jerseys. He, he never closed the door to it. And very clearly their, the first criteria is that they win a championship because championships are what matters. Um, and you know, if, if that's the case, we're always going to be in shock shadow because he was the one that got this team and this franchise closest to a championship than any other player, than any other person. Um, and, and until that next person comes along that is able to get, lift this team to a title, this is Shaq's team uh, as, as much as it sucks. And as much as the magic botched everything with him, that this is Shaq's team. Yeah. And that's a, that's a really good point. Um, I, I didn't include Shaq for the simple reason that I feel that it's kind of, um, what's the right way to say it's kind of like i i feel as if it's almost a little bit of backwash um with 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 the statue that they created in la the statue that they have in miami um i i even although we drafted him and although the the times um as you mentioned were memorable he'd go um, he'd go into the hall of fame as a laker like yeah exactly yeah like if like like baseball like the 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 baseball hall of fame has has the ball caps and uh, for the team that they're most known for um, you know, Shaq goes into the hall of fame as a Laker. Um, you know, uh, like I said, Tracy McGrady, and I had this debate with the Houston guys, Tracy McGrady to me is the first magic hall of fame. He's the first yeah. player to go into the hall of fame because he was on the Orlando magic. Um, but I honestly, I think Houston has, can, can dispute that a little bit. Um, you know, so this young franchise is still looking for the guy that is their hall of famer. Like grain Hill's a hall of famer deserves to be a hall of famer. Ain't because of what he did with the magic. Um, Patrick <laughs> Ewing, I think, was the first player with magic associations to be in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, he's not in the Hall of Fame because he was on the magic. So, you know, no, for sure. Like, like Shaq is not known for being on the for is not, you know, primarily known for being on the magic. But I guarantee if you if you flash the the original magic logo on on screen, the first thing people are gonna say is Shaq and Penny. So maybe it's Shaq and Penny, maybe it's those two that that really define this franchise. But um, you know. You you look at the decisions that this team has made, really since Shaq left in ninety in ninety six, Shaq's shadow is over everything. Like you you can't escape him. <laughs> yeah, I think it's about time that that happens, and let's start doing that by this draft. Let's do that. Yeah, let's make let's this, so. this 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 draft. This is the best player the Magic will ever have. All right, Cunningham no jersey pressure, getting kid. retired. <laughs> Cunningham jersey getting retired at the Mway about twenty years from now. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah. All right, Philip. It was an absolute pleasure having you on the show, man. It's it's a really a joy. Can you uh, please share where everyone can listen to the podcast that you have and and also read some of your articles? Yeah, for sure. Um, the the best place to find me is uh, you know, if you want to listen to my podcast, it's Locked On Magic. It is a daily Orlando Magic podcast, and and we do mean daily. I usually I usually post episodes four to five days a week. 
Um, even in the off season, I'll, I'm, I'm still going strong right now. Um, or trying to, um, my episode tomorrow will probably be a little bit later in the day. Um, but you can follow me there, um, on, on, uh, uh by searching Ravi download podcast for locked on magic. You can follow my writing at Orlando magic Follow me on Twitter. Um, the site's website or the site's Twitter account is at Omagic daily. I do a lot of interaction there. I love answering questions and, and talking with magic fans. Um, and you can also follow my personal account at Philip RR underscore OMD. That's Philip P H I L I P R R underscore OMD daily. How do you do it daily? That is crazy. <laughs> we struggle to find contact for one I, week and you do. Five I, weeks. I don't, me. I, there are days where I don't know. Um, and, you know, like <laughs> I work nights, so there are a lot of late nights cranking that thing out. I'm trying to go to an afternoon, afternoon recording set or like early late morning recording session. So I can try and pretend to get some sleep now that the season's over. Um, this season was rough. <laughs> let's, let's just put it that way. This season was really oh, yeah. rough. Yeah, for sure. Philip, thank you so much. Locked on magic, Orlando magic daily. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the ozone podcast, the voice of magic fans. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Ozone Pod. And remember to subscribe and leave a five-star review on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.